Welcome to the 160th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions and our weekly look at Major League Baseball. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com, starting in Major League Baseball, where Patrick went 1-3 and three in his weekend series predictions, bringing him to a 430 and 305 overall record with his weekend predictions. That's a 58.5% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on this weekend's predictions? Well, normally I do an in-depth recap of, you know, what happened in every game in the series and whatnot, but uh, I think all you need to know is that the series I picked this weekend were the Pirates against the Brewers, the Rangers and the Twins, the Astros and the A's, and the Royals and the Guardians. So uh, that's... Three more, well, that's two more last place teams than I really ever want to include in my weekend predictions. Um, and let's just say uh, the Astros and A's was a little bit of a mismatch, and uh, really everything this weekend was a mismatch, yet somehow I still got <laughs> three picks wrong because uh, the Brewers just decided it'd be a good weekend to uh, forget who their high leverage arms are uh, and just kind of take a series off when it comes to that and then just forget how to hit for one of those games. Uh, the Guardians decided they only wanted to play on Sunday this week. Uh, sorry, on Saturday this weekend. So they scored 11 on Saturday and scored five runs in the rest of the series combined. Uh, and they lost to the uh, Royals, and the Brewers obviously lost to the Pirates. Uh, the Astros were able to take the series from the A's despite even having injuries. But uh, then you have the Rangers and the Twins. That was actually a pretty normal series for me to pick. But uh, even in that series, the Rangers did not... Uh, well, they did. Well, I guess I mean the Twins did not live up to what I thought they would be this weekend. Uh, they didn't have a good weekend. The Rangers won the series. However, I would like to say there is no way that even if you told me ahead of time that you were from the future and that I could go four zero this weekend if I picked the Pirates over the Brewers, the Rangers over the Twins, and the Royals over the Guardians, I still wouldn't pick it. I mean, there's just there's no reason to pick last place teams to win series, so I wouldn't do it. And by the way. The Pirates are not a last place team, but they would be in pretty much every division other than the one they're in. Uh, so they're just, you know, these teams aren't that good. They were playing much better teams and somehow they pulled off wins, which I mean, look, good for them. Uh, but obviously there was a lot more intrigue in, you know, a series like the Yankees and the Red Sox over the weekend. Uh, there were series like the Angels and the Orioles, which was even a better series than any of these, even though that one wasn't even the greatest series uh, in the end. So... There were definitely some good games going on elsewhere. The Giants and the Padres, good ga- there were good games going on elsewhere, but none of them were three-game series, and that uh, that made me not able to pick them, but th- I, that's why I didn't go in the in-depth recap this weekend, because I feel like these games aren't very important in the grand scheme of things, uh, especially when half the teams who won the series are not going to the playoffs. Okay, well, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website, 4thand24.com, on Thursday. Let's stay with MLB, but instead of a look at your weekend predictions, let's do our weekly look at all of Major League Baseball, starting, as always, in the American League East. As always, the New York Yankees are leading the AL East. They are 61-25, and now the first team to get to 60 wins. Although there are some teams that are uh, getting up there. They're getting close to some other teams. Uh, the Astros and the Dodgers, the main uh, contenders to get their next However, they lost the last two of their weekend series against the Red Sox, despite having a lead in the in the sorry in the last game of the series, and I think actually a lead in the other one. Um, but five and five in their last ten, probably the coldest stretch the Yankees. Well, 
Definitely the coldest they've been all year. Maybe the coldest they will be all year, honestly, when you look at the way they've been playing. Uh, But still have a ridiculously high run differential, uh, still even higher than the Dodgers, who were pretty much the run differential kings for the last few years, regardless of if they're uh, leading the division or not. Uh, But look, they're 14 games ahead of the second-place Red Sox, who are 47-39. and Uh, they have, they won those last two, as I said, against the Yankees, but four and six in their last 10 overall, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are in third at 15 and a half games back, 45 and 40. The Blue Jays are 45 and 42 in fourth place, 16 and a half games back. And just two games back of the Blue Jays at this point are the Baltimore Orioles at 43 and 44, uh, same winning percentage as Cleveland, better than the White Sox, uh, better than the Tigers, who you could say are a major disappointment this season. However, I would have said better than the Mariners a few weeks ago, but they've actually been a little hot recently too, mainly because they've been playing the Blue Jays and they swept them, Uh, but we'll get to that later. Uh, But better than the Angels too. I mean, now you're getting into the teams who have just been straight up disappointing all year, but it's interesting to list off the teams the Orioles have better records than when you consider that everybody expected them as normal uh, to end up at the bottom of the AL East easily. I mean, last year they were like 39 or 40 games out of first place. And uh, even with the Yankees on historical pace, it still doesn't seem like they're going to end up that far back. And if they do, that might still be with a winning record at this point, the way the Yankees are playing. It has nothing to do with the Orioles being bad at this point. It's just how good the Yankees have been. Frankly, they could finish 40 games out of first place and still make the wild card at this pace, the way that the Yankees are going. Uh, But... Look, this is easily the best division in baseball now that the Orioles are not even just, like, the best last-place team. Now they're actually legitimately, I think you can call them, a decent team. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not, I don't think they'd be leading any other division, honestly. Um, But I do think they could be in the position to be contending for a wild-card spot if they were playing a much easier schedule and playing less AL East teams, because everybody else other than them is above 500 in their division. So they get a lot harder matchups throughout the year. Uh, than a lot of these other teams do. And, you know, maybe if they were playing more of the White Sox, the Tigers, and the Royals, and even the Guardians and the Twins, as opposed to playing the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Yankees, they might have a winning record by now. I would say they probably would. Uh, But the receiving end of their uh, recent success, look, the Orioles have won eight in a row. That included a four-game sweep of the Angels, uh, which is just something that it shouldn't happen. I mean, I'll get to the Angels later, but... That just should not happen. I don't care how well the Orioles are playing. The Angels should never get swept by a team who has a lower payroll than Max Scherzer's salary for the year. It just shouldn't be possible. Trout and Otani alone should be able to carry that team. Because, by the way, their salaries combined as soon as next year hits and Otani has gotten his contract, uh, they'll be higher than the Orioles' entire payroll. So, look, Orioles, good. I'll, I'll, I'll pump the brakes on them being like a playoff team still. I don't think they can get to that level. I don't think there are many people saying that they can get to that level this year, but I already said it. I've said it plenty of times this season. I really think they can I really think they can get there next year, honestly. I, I think their their window is coming soon, and, you know, as soon as they have a, you know, as I said, a higher payroll. I mean, it's not like the franchise has refused to, you know, dish out big contracts in the past. They have. Uh, the question is, will they in the coming future to the point where they'll actually get really, really competitive? I think they might next year. I don't know for sure, but I feel like they're not going to do what the A's and the Reds have done, which is when they get into contention, kind of 
you know, they are in contention, but only in the wild card, and they feel like that's not enough, so they just blow everything up and restart again like those two teams did this year. Uh, I really feel like they're not going to think that this is a an ending point. I think they think this is a starting point, especially because all their talent is young. Uh, but I spend a lot of time on the Orioles because I really feel like they are the story of this division because we've already talked about the Yankees a lot. We know how good they are. They're historically good. They're on the pace for that. Uh, Judge is chasing Roger Maris. We know all this. He's trying to get to 60 home runs, yada, yada, yada. We know how good the Yankees are. Um, and we've talked about that enough, so it's interesting to cover this part of the division. And in the middle of the division is just a bunch of really, really talented teams who will probably stay above 500 the whole year, but never come anywhere close to getting to the top of this division where the Yankees are. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we laughed at the Red Sox, and, and they've surged up and played to their potential and are now leading the wild card, and then we kind of buried the Orioles, and lo and behold, there they are. Uh, I didn't question. bury the Orioles. Yeah. I always said they were like a year out. Let's just see. Them and the Rangers it, were the two teams that I said they're not doing anything this year. However... Look out for them in the future, yeah, very the near Orioles, future. Now the Orioles put themselves in a position to finish at or above 500 this year. It'd be very yeah. interesting to see that. It'd be also, their first winning season in a very long time. Also, be interesting to see if the Blue Jays can turn around this skid. But uh, we will we will talk about maybe who was responsible for that skid a little later. Uh, let's move over to the AL Central. Yep, and uh, also no real mention of the All Star guys here yet because, and I'll say this now. The snubs happened in the other divisions. I would argue. Well, there's one big one. Um, so. I'll wait to get to those teams before I talk about the teams on uh, some of the other teams in the AL East who probably shouldn't be on the team, but uh, and, and the guys who should take their place. But yeah, you're right. Let's move on to the Central. The Twins are 48-40 and 40 this year. Uh, they are in first place. Despite that series loss to the Rangers, they did salvage uh, not getting swept by winning the final game of that series. The Guardians are now four and a half games back because they are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games uh, at 41-42. and 42 which means that this entire division is under 500 except for first place. I believe they are the, yeah, this is the only division in baseball where that is a thing. Uh, the wet, the, the NL West has two teams above 500. The NL, or, or sorry, three. Uh, the NL Central has two. The East has actually almost four at this point, but three for now. Even the West has two because of the Mariners' recent stretch, but now the Central, the ones that look the worst. Uh, the White Sox, they have won two in a row, but they are six and four in their last ten. Not too bad, but uh, forty-one and forty-three still five games back of the division lead. The Tigers actually pulled it together for a little bit. Went on a seven, I think, a seven-game winning streak. I know at least a six-game winning streak, but then lost the final two games of their series against the White Sox uh, to go seven and three in their last ten. Which again, not bad at all, but still need to get a little bit better. Uh, they're, they're hey, they're about to climb out of last place for runs scored. They're only three three runs away from getting to the A's. Uh, that would be positive news for them because, really, that has been their issue all year. And honestly, the fact that they're that they've dug themselves out of the, out of the trench that they dug themselves into out of the beginning of the season, it's honestly kind of insane that they've done it this early. I thought this would be something that would have to happen like 120 games into the season when you looked at how few runs they had scored so early on in the year. It, it just looked like they were just on a historically terrible pace on offense. Um, and I think they were on pace for, like, the worst offense since, like, some of those teams who've lost 100, 105 games. But they've started to turn around a little bit. And then you have the Royals at the bottom of the division, 14 games back at 32 and 52. 5-5 five and five in their last 10, which isn't bad for a team of their caliber, uh, but not great overall. But going back to the top of the division, the Twins got two All-Stars. They got Byron Buxton there, and they also got Luis Arise there as a first baseman. I think both of those are deserved. I think Byron Buxton definitely deserves 
I mean, I think this is the healthiest year of his career so far. So, uh, you know, if you, if you take his numbers over 162 games on average, you're looking at a guy who could hit like 55, 60 home runs. Uh, so when he actually plays a full season, and I don't think necessarily he's played like a full season this year, but I do believe he is a qualified hitter. Uh, despite not really doing that in the past a lot. And he does have, I think, 20 or 23 home runs, something like that, uh, to start the season. So he definitely deserves it. Uh, he could have been there many times before if he had been healthier in the past. So it's good that he's, you know, gotten to be, he's had less injuries that he's dealing with this year, and he's gotten rewarded for that with an all-star appearance. He definitely deserves it, uh, especially for his defense in center field, too. Uh, and then you have Luis Arias, who I believe leads all of Major League, well, he leads the league in average, I'm pretty sure he leads the league in on-base percentage, too, so I think that's deserved. If you're the best in the entire league at getting on-base and hitting for an average, I think you have to be in the All-Star game, although it is important to uh, it is important to say that average doesn't mean anything. It's about getting on-base, right? So if someone leads in on-base uh, but not an average, I think that means more, but if you're leading only in batting average and you don't draw any blocks and you're pretty low in there in on-base percentage... I, w- I would argue that you can be excluded from the All-Star game. I mean, you didn't really see any discussion of a guy like Gavin Lux being in the All-Star game, despite pretty much everybody around him in terms of the batting average leaderboards all being in the game. Uh, so it really depends on what you do on top of it, and Luis Arias, I think, is deserving. Uh, but I will say, you go down the rest of this division, uh, Jose Ramirez didn't get the start, Rafael Devers did. Ramirez had a slump at the end of the, really at the end of the voting period, and I think that led Devers... Uh, to get the win because also, coincidentally, the day before the voting ending, or sorry, no, the night before the voting ended in the morning, Devers hit two home runs off of Garrett Cole. So uh, that helped his case a lot. Uh, But I will say, Dylan Cease needed to be on this team. And both of the Yankees pitchers who were on here should not be on the team if Dylan Cease is on the team. And I'll throw out another name so that it's not even just me just saying the Yankees in general. First of all, Nestor Cortez. I think Garrett Cole deserves it over Nestor Cortez. I get that Cortez had a great start to the year, but the last six starts, he has like a five ERA or something. So I don't think he really deserves to be on the team, to be quite honest. Um, And the second thing I have to say is Shohei Otani is taking up a roster spot as both a DH and a pitcher. They, I think the MLB got this wrong in that they, they have the legacy additions this year, right? So they have Miguel Cabrera and they have Albert Pujols uh, playing for the American League and the National League. But the difference is neither of them are taking up a roster spot and they don't count towards the minimum for a team. So the Tigers still got another rep in Gregory Soto. Um, and obviously the Cardinals were going to get more because their team is really good and they have a lot of great players on their team. But that I feel like makes more sense. But I feel like if you're going to put in Shohei as a pitcher and as a DH... Just let him pitch, but he does not need to be taking up a pitcher's slot on the roster. I think that's a little weird. Um, And I think, really, that's another reason why Dylan Cease didn't get it, so I'm not even going to say just on Nestor Cortez and Garrett Cole. But I also feel like you could make the argument that just give Shohei one roster spot because he is, in fact, one person, and uh, the greatness of him is that he is one guy (laughs) pitching and hitting. I don't feel like you need two different (laughs) roster spots for him. Um, And I feel like Cease could just get in instead of that extra spot that's being taken up by Shohei. So honestly, that is where I go in terms of the snubs uh, in the AL. And then, you know, like people complain and they they post things about, um, you know, like this guy should be here instead of this guy. And they talk about Dylan Cease versus Paul Blackburn. But guys, the A's had to have somebody in the game. And let's just agree that 
that team does not have a single hitter anywhere near all-star level. So it needed to be someone from the pitching staff. And Frankie Montas isn't healthy, so they might, well, at least right now, so they might as well put the guy who is healthy right now so that they don't have to replace him with someone from his own team. Uh, And that would be Paul Blackburn, who, by the way, has had a, a good enough year that I would say on merit alone, he could be at the All-Star game. I still think people would argue him, people would argue other guys should be there instead of a guy who got snubbed. Or, sorry, people would argue that people who got snubbed should be there instead of him if he was only in as a as a second representative or a third representative of another team. But I, I'm okay with him being there um, in general, obviously, because he has to. But um, look, I thought everything else, I thought pretty much they got it right, although I'll get to the, uh, the last snub in the AL West. So I'll put down that conversation for now. And forgot to mention, Xander Bogart should have started this game, as I said a few weeks ago. I don't know. I, I, I mean, well, I do know. Blue Jays fans are the Warriors fans of the MLB. They just vote everybody in for no reason. I mean, the guy, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. being a, being a finalist for the All-Star outfield is about the same thing as Andrew Wiggins starting the All-Star game in the NBA. It's like, you know, the guy is good, but like, I don't think, I don't think he's quite that good. Um, so, you know, I, but the good thing is they didn't get voted in and, uh, I think Springer deserved it on the reserves, but that's going back to the AL East. So we should just move on to the other division then, right? Yeah. Let's move on to the American League West. Well, in the AL West, you had the Houston Astros at 56 and 29. They had the biggest all-star snub of them all in terms of starters or not. Jordan Alvarez absolutely needed to start the game because guess what? His position is the designated hitter and he is the best hitter in baseball to this point this year. So therefore... He should be playing as the designated hitter of the American League. Uh, Shohei does not have the batting stats to be the starting DH. It does not make any sense. The fans got that completely wrong uh, in the same way that they got it wrong with having Tim Anderson and Bo Bichette as the finalists for shortstop, honestly. Uh, But maybe you just get tired of seeing the same guys every year. And uh, maybe, I mean, you know, I just, I, I really don't think, and everybody knows, I'm not exactly a big Astros enthusiast, obviously. Um, but I, I still understand that when a player is that good, they need their respect. And Jordan Alvarez absolutely, without a doubt, should have been starting uh, this game. But it doesn't matter anyway because he's on the IL and he's going to get replaced. Uh, and we'll see who that replacement is. Speaking of his replacement, it should be Ty France on the second place Mariners, 45 and 42 on the season, 12 games back. They have won eight in a row. They are nine and one in their last 10. Uh, a better record than the Astros in their last 10, and actually, I believe, the best record in baseball. I don't think there's anybody on a 10-game winning streak. Well, there is another team who's 9-1 in their last 10, but they are way far, uh, way farther down in the order of stuff. However, I'm okay with Julio Rodriguez being the Mariners' representative. I believe he's definitely worthy of it. I think he might even be leading the AL, and I think he is leading the AL in uh, stolen bases. He's at least up there. I think he has 20 so far this season. Uh, and he's also on he's on pace to have maybe a 40 home run stolen 40 stolen bases season, which is just insane. And uh, clearly the AL Rookie of the Year favorite at this point. Um, so I think with all of that considered, he he definitely deserves to be in the All Star game. Uh, I'd be interested to see him in the home run derby too. Uh, but I, I think you know a lot of Mariners fans are also upset that uh, you know Julio might have deserved to get in, but they kind of wanted two guys. They thought Ty France was good enough. Uh, they thought. Logan Gilbert might get in as a fringe candidate, too, so they they thought they might even get three All-Stars and ended up with only the one. I will say, 
Jordan Alvarez's replacement for DH has got to be Ty France. If that's not, if that doesn't happen, then the MLB is just absolutely getting this completely wrong. And by the way, I will say when I'm saying the MLB, it should be noted that they are actually not the ones who pick the reserves. It's actually, well, they pick some of them, but they, they the players actually pick them and then the MLB gets the, uh, decides the one guy from every team that uh, has to be on there for the minimum if need be. Uh, and then the final, also they also decide the final members of the team. If I think, I think the way it works is if there's not enough uh, votes for a certain guy or if they've already voted all the reserve spots in and then they're just, they leave a few spots for the MLB to decide in terms of getting the minimums in and then also getting one last guy in the roster who uh, the National League ended up being Clayton Kershaw. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know. I, th- I don't know if anybody's reported on it. I don't know who it is in the uh, AL, but um, I'm okay with the with the All Stars overall. I think Ty France is just an absolute snub, though. He probably should have been starting the game, but I think everybody knew that. I mean, I, I I said Vlad a few weeks ago before his slump should have been over him, but I also said because of the fact that he hasn't played enough, that he hasn't played as many games and he's injured recently, that Ty France's numbers don't look as appealing to a more casual fan who's looking at home runs and RBIs only and not looking at the fact that Vlad's OPS and his average dropped recently after a little bit of a mini slump there. Um, And I just think that that kind of persuaded the fans to vote for Vlad. And as I said, how many Blue Jays fans were voting in the All-Star game uh, votes. So I really don't think that that was off of merit. But the problem is the MLB not putting him in, or I guess the rest of the players honestly not voting him in. I don't know how they didn't recognize how good he's been this season. I think there are definitely a few names that he could be on here instead of. Um, but overall, I think it's all fine. I think Kyle Tucker was a great selection. I think Jordan Alvarez obviously had to be there. Um, and, you know, Altuve got the start, so the Astros got plenty of guys on the team. Then they also got Verlander and Framber Valdez, who I had actually picked to be on there too. Um, but Framber Valdez took the final uh, AL starting pitcher slot. If they had told me, if if someone was asking me to pick between Valdez and Cease, though, I definitely would have picked Cease, but I did have Valdez on my team regardless. Uh, but let's move on to the rest of the division, although less interesting to talk about, and obviously when you have the Mariners as hot as they've been coming off the four-game sweep of the Blue Jays. Uh, the Rangers, 39-44, and 44, they're 16 games back. Still far ahead of the Angels at this point somehow, um, but... You know, they won that weekend series against uh, the Twins, but they are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Then you have the Angels, who got swept by the Orioles. They have lost four in a row. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They're 19 games back, 38-49. and 49. They are almost a non-factor whatsoever in the playoff race. I mean, I'm saying the Orioles aren't even a real contender this year. They just got swept by them. So they clearly have no chance, not only just on uh, the games back that they're at so far, but just overall how they've been playing recently, how they've been playing the whole season. I just really don't feel like it's worth it for them. Um, but look, I, I just really don't think they can be a playoff team at this point. It's terrible because they do have possibly the two best players in the league, and here they are not getting into the playoffs again. Uh, but that's kind of they've been their MO for a long time now, that they really are this team that has all the talent in the world and never does anything with it. Uh, then there's a team who has really none of the talent in the world, to be quite honest. Uh, the Oakland A's, who are 29-58, and 58, they are 28 games back. I believe right now they are the worst team in baseball, and yes, they are barely, barely, barely worse than the Nationals, just by a half a game, but they are the worst team in baseball so far. All right, well, let's move over to the National League and start in the Eastern Division. The Mets currently lead the NL East at 53-33. and 33. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. 
Uh, but the Braves are quickly approaching behind them at 8-2. and two. In their last 10, they've won three in a row. They're only one and a half games back. They have a better run differential than the Mets. Uh, and by the way, they will be playing each other this week. Start Well, they actually started today. But as always, those uh, results are not included in our, uh, you know, talks this week. But uh, overall, I'm thinking that the Mets are still going to hold on in this lead for a little bit longer. Not so uh, certain as I once was about it, but um, I still do think they, I still think they're going to have the lead by the end of the year, honestly. I think they're going to get better with their reinforcements, and I think, I think they might be big players at the trade deadline, honestly, but it'll be interesting to see where they try to improve, if they try to at all, really. Uh, obviously, they're going to try to, but we'll see where I think is the most important thing. Uh, the Braves, same thing. They're going to try to get better at the trade deadline. They already got Robinson Cano today, which was a very interesting, uh, idea they traded uh, they traded cash considerations everybody's favorite player uh for robinson gano uh, and we'll see how that turns out uh they really need lefties and uh, they're getting one with him but hasn't been great with both of the teams who have tried to use him at the major league level this year wasn't great with the mets got released there wasn't great with the padres got cut there so uh it's really interesting that we're well actually got traded from there uh but it's really interesting that he's you know i, I mean i mean obviously the dude has a resume that Definitely would make him somebody who should be a good hitter in the future. But, uh, I mean, not a good, sorry, not a good hitter in the future, but should continue to be a good hitter. But, uh, you know, I don't exactly know why he's struggling this year, but maybe the Braves think they can turn something around in a swing. Meanwhile, the Phillies still dealing with the issue of not having Bryce Harper, but they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're still seven games back, though, uh, at 46-40. and 40. Then behind them, yeah, the Marlins. The Marlins are 41 and 43. They are 11 games back uh, of the Mets. They are seven and three in their last 10 with a barely positive run differential. Uh, but look, that bodes well for them considering that they are under 500. So that's it's better than maybe you would expect. But uh, then finally, you have the Nationals, who are the second worst team in the MLB. Uh, they are sorry in MLB, uh, but. They are uh, the the worst team in the NL, unfortunately, at 341 winning percentage, 30 and 58. Uh, 24 games back, they've lost four in a row. They're one and nine in their last 10, which surprisingly the only other team who is currently doing that is uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Something that you wouldn't find normally is a commonality between the Nationals and the Blue Jays this season, but yet here we are. Uh, this is an interesting division to watch. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. If you want to talk about all-stars in this division, obviously you have Sandy Alcantara, who maybe should be the starter, but I think, you know, as a Dodgers fan, I'm obviously partial in this conversation, but many times before people have treated the all-star game like it is a kind of meaningless exhibition, and it really, that is what it is. Um, So I don't really understand why we need to go so rigidly by stats here. I'm definitely for Clayton Kershaw starting, and if I was for, and honestly, if you want to make it really about stats, at least have it be Tony Gonsolin, who actually has a better ERA than Alcantara, because at least then you're kind of doing half stats and half, uh, like half stats and merit and half uh, sentimental value of the game being in LA, uh, because there are two Dodgers on that staff. But uh, overall, I feel like Kershaw should start. I feel like Alcantara should be right behind him. And I feel like it shouldn't really matter that much, because I think the way Sandy is pitching the season, he'll be back next year and he'll be able to start there. And maybe they'll do an all-star game in Miami in the future if they can actually get any attendance for it, unlike their normal games. Uh, but look, the rest of the roster, uh, don't have much to say yet in terms of the East guys. Although I will say, I feel like the Braves 
have too much representation, and yet they don't have actually probably their most deserving all-star candidate uh, because Austin Riley is, I think, fourth in the in the NL in OPS this season, and yet he was left off the roster. Uh, I think he statistically is the best hitter on the Braves this season if you talk about guys who are actually qualified hitters. Obviously, Ronald Acuna is not a uh, qualified hitter, but even William Contreras is not a qualified hitter, and he's going to be the replacement for Bryce Harper uh, at DH. So I really don't understand how Austin Riley did not make this roster. And if it was a matter of there's too many Braves, then take Travis Darno off the roster. No offense to Travis, but look, Austin Riley 100% deserved this more uh, than his own teammates, but he shouldn't be salty about it. He'll be there in the future. Uh, he's a very young player. He has a lot of great years ahead of him, but I think when you consider the second half he had last year and the first half he's had this year, it's it's crazy that he's not on the roster. Um, and Mets fans are happy because, obviously, Pete Alonso was going to get on there, but also they got Jeff McNeil uh, on there, and uh, maybe they're a little bit mad that Brandon Nimmo didn't make it, but, uh, you know, I think overall they should be okay with it. And Starling Marte also made it for the Mets, um, and even Edwin Diaz from the bullpen. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, I think that's it for the NL East when it comes to that kind of stuff. All right, well, let's move over to the Central. In the Central, you have the Milwaukee Brewers at the top, 48-39. and 39. Their all-star rep is Corbin. Well, actually, they have a bunch of them, but they have Corbin Burns repping the starting pitching uh, and obviously Josh Hader uh, out of the bullpen because, well, that's the best closer in baseball, and that's the NL Cy Young winner. Uh, at, well, defending NL Cy Young winner, so uh, they deserve it, both of them. Uh, they're very great players. They definitely deserve to be on this roster, and uh, because of that, they are. Then you have the Cardinals, 46-42, and 42. Two and a half games back, uh, three and seven in their last ten. While the Brewers are four and six in their last ten. Overall, the whole division has just been struggling recently. Uh, but not surprising when you look at who's in it. Uh, but I'll get to their All Star stuff in a second. The Pittsburgh Pirates are thirty six and fifty, eleven and a half games back, uh, fresh off taking that series off the Brewers. Uh, the Cubs are thirteen and a half back after taking that uh, sweep against the Do- well, sorry, getting swept against the Dodgers uh, in a four game series on the road. They're still 13 and a half games back, though, and they're still not last because the Cincinnati Reds are occupying that uh, that spot. Despite winning four in a row, including, a, I think, a sweep over the Rays, might have been a four games. I know it's a sweep, but I don't know if it was actually four or uh, three games. It might have been four, uh, but six and four in their last 10. Again, the Rays, sorry, the Reds have had a few streaks this year where they've been hot for a little bit, but still at the bottom of this division, and it's not really a competitive division, so somewhat surprising, but at the same time, They're not a very good team. However, I would like to start here with the All-Stars. The fact that Carlos Rodon is missing out on the NL All-Star game because MLB chose Luis Castillo as the Reds' representative is just baffling to me. Uh, Brandon Drury could have gotten in in really any year just as a regular third baseman as a reserve. His stats are good enough to be up there, and yet they didn't even let him get there as a reserve or as, um, sorry, they didn't even let him get there as a reserve. They didn't even they didn't even put him in as the one representative for the Reds. I think it's crazy to me that that's the way it's gone because he has been absolutely playing at an all-star level this year. You put his numbers blindly up against everybody else and say this is the third baseman from the NL. You might get people thinking that it's Austin Riley or, or maybe even Nolan Arenado. I mean, nobody's thinking it's Manny Machado the way he's been playing this season, but you could get someone to think that it's one of those guys who's that good. Um, and, you know, he's just had good enough numbers that he should be there. I don't really know what came into that decision, but I feel like Radon's the biggest snub from the pitching staff for that reason. 
Uh, and I feel like Drury should have been there, honestly, as the Reds representative and even just as a reserve overall. Obviously, you're not going to give the Reds two guys because they've been so bad. Um, but I still think the argument can be made that he definitely needed to be there no matter what the circumstance was. Um, and then when it comes to the Pirates, they got David Bednar, the rest of their team, not really necessarily all-star worthy. Um, so that's not too surprising. And the Cubs got Ian Happ on the bench and they had William Contreras as a starter, or sorry, Wilson Contreras as a starter. So, uh, the Cubs are actually getting two all-stars, which is interesting. Uh, but they're the, you know, I've said it a few times. This division is just not very interesting to talk about. Okay. Well, since it's not very interesting to talk about, let's talk about a division that's usually interesting to talk about National League West. Well, not anymore because the Dodgers now have an eight game lead over the Padres after going nine and one in their last 10, winning seven in a row. While the Padres and the Giants split a weekend series, the Dodgers were sweeping the Cubs. Uh, And even before that, obviously we talked about the Dodgers and the Padres last weekend and uh, both those teams, the Padres and the Giants, three and seven in their last 10. The Padres is still eight games back of the Dodgers, although that's not even that bad considering that the Dodgers now have the best record in the NL by a pretty wide margin um, and are on pace, I think, now for 106 or 107 wins. Uh, and then, you know, the Padres sitting at 49 and 38. Uh, they're, they're second in the wild card, but they would be leading the Central, if that means anything to anybody. Uh, and the only reason they're not leading the wild card is because the Braves have the best record of, I think of any second place team in all of baseball. Uh, so not very surprising that they're just second in that wild card, but again, they're still having a good season. They're still going to get Fernando Tatis back at some point. So obviously they're going to get better. Um, and then you have the giants 43 and 41, they're 12 and a half games back and both the Rockies and the Diamondbacks sharing an identical record at 38 and 48, uh, 18 and a half games back of the Dodgers currently uh, I would say the Giants were really, really looking rough there for a second, but getting the last two games of the series against the Padres should give them some momentum going forward, and they're playing the Diamondbacks uh, right now, so you would assume that they'd play a lot better in the next uh, week or two, but we'll see what happens with that, and obviously I guess they can't play better in the next week or two. They can only be, play better in the next week because then we're going to have the All-Star break. Um, I already talked about Carlos Rodon getting snubbed. Uh, Joe Musgrove deserved it for the Padres 100%. Obviously, Manny Machado's the starter, so uh, I don't really have any problems with any of that. And I think Taylor Rogers would have made it, but he had a pretty rough last week or two um, in terms of how he's been pitching, so it's not surprising that players didn't select him. And also, he's the leader in saves. His ERA doesn't jump off the board, and honestly, nor does his stuff, although he's got a pretty nice slider. Um, so I'm not exactly surprised that he didn't make it, but... It is still interesting to talk about because I think he is the saves leader in the MLB and he didn't make the all-star roster at all. Uh, But also when you look at the bullpen, Ryan Helsley has a zero point something ERA on the season. Edwin Diaz is the closer for the second best team in the NL. Uh, Joe Mantiply is the Arizona Diamondbacks representative while CJ Crone represents the Rockies. Uh, So it's, it kind of makes sense um, that he wasn't there because really nobody else is a reliever other than Josh Hader. And obviously he was going to get in. So, I don't really know. I don't really know where he could have gotten in, honestly, because um, there are great relievers all around, and then obviously the two guys who you need to have on their bed are Mantiply to fill that one team minimum, or what? Sorry, one a team minimum. Uh, the only other snub in this division, well, I would say Freddie Freeman is a snub on past production and name alone. But when you look at it statistically, I mean, you could even make the argument that Josh Bell might even be a bigger snub than Freddie Freeman at first base. 
Uh, and Crone just had to be on here because the Rockies really only had one all-star caliber player, and it was him. Um, so I'm not entirely surprised that he was the representative. When I talked about when I talked about my roster for the game, I said CJ Crone will probably be there as the Rockies representative because they don't really have anybody else who can be there. Um, so that's not very surprising. Freeman definitely has that name, and he probably could be there. Um, and overall, I think he might be there as the DH replacement uh, for well. The replacement of the replacement, because William Contreras is now going to start as the DH because Bryce Harper's not there. So uh, Bryce Harper needed a replacement. Now there's going to be a replacement for Contreras in terms of being the bench DH. Uh, So that could be Freddie Freeman. It might be Josh Bell. Who knows? Um, I would say that the biggest snub probably in the NL, other than Austin Riley, though, is Will Smith, because I think Wilson Contreras definitely deserved it this year, and I thought he would be the only guy on the Cubs. So, I mean... I guess they got Ian Happ and Contreras, so Contreras wasn't necessarily, well, he didn't necessarily have to be there, uh, but I think Happ deserved it, but honestly, Will Smith is having a better year than Travis Darno. I don't care what metrics you use, they pretty much all state that Will Smith is having a better year uh, than than Travis Darno so far, so I'm going to go ahead and say that he definitely is the biggest snub uh, other than Austin Riley, although I think he is actually the biggest one, and then I think Carlos Rodon is a close third behind Will Smith in terms of snubbery. Um, but in the degree of how bad it was. But look, Radon also deserves to be in that spot. But also, this division, I guess you can't have every single player in it on the All-Star roster. Um, but still, again, um, I'm not again, I'm not not that dissatisfied with how the teams turned out. I don't think it was that bad. Okay, well that wraps up our look back at Major League Baseball, including Patrick's thoughts on the All-Star team selection. It also wraps this edition of the Fourth and Twenty Four podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Monday, July 18th, where we will once again take a look at Patrick's weekend predictions and look back at Major League Baseball action as we head into the All-Star break. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his picks for next weekend's games, which will be posted on Thursday, and his Major League Baseball power rankings that will be updated tomorrow. That content on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D. The number 24.com. Thank you for listening.